Hi, I'm Lanny. On this podcast, I'll dive deep into all things home. Steading, cooking, schooling, making, food preservation, and scratch-made everything. Our homes used to be more than just a place to sleep and charge our smartphones. The home was the heart of our families, a place where we could birth our babies, school our children, grow, raise, cook, and preserve our own food, host weddings in the pasture, and funerals in our parlor. Do you want to take back your autonomy and breathe new life into your home? Let's learn together. With intention, we can rely more on ourselves and less on the systems that don't serve us. This is the Greener Postures Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Greener Postures Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lanny, and happy to be with you today. Another month has come and gone. August is over and we are into September. And it is crazy to think that's actually happening. (laughs) September 4th, as I record this Monday, it is Labor Day. Hoping all of you are getting an extra day off work, if that's your schedule. Enjoying this time to do whatever you like to do. So these first of the month episodes have been update episodes about what is going on here at the Greener Postures Homestead. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I wanted to just mention that you can still get a copy of any of the previously recorded Greener Postures workshops. If you missed the fermented beverage workshop last month, I I do have a recording of that that I can send out to you with the booklet and everything still the same price of $40. If you can uh, want any more information on that, you can sign up at greenerpostures.com slash workshops. Man, I have uh, there's a lot on my mind. I'm feeling very scattered, and I'm also extremely focused, but on different things that that I think I should be. If that makes any sense, it's a weird feeling, and I'm actually seeing this as a pattern that I feel this way at the end of summer, coming into fall. I get this huge rush of energy, and I have a lot to do, and I'm doing a lot, but I'm my mind is really focused on the next big project. This happened to me last year and the year before. It's when I've built my website before. It's when I've uh, I've launched things. I've written books. Like all of that seems to come in this flurry uh, around this time of the year. It's kind of like I'm I'm getting ready for winter, but I'm uh, I'm doing the homestead thing and I'm modern. So I'm like building a website instead of building a nest. <laughs> so, so it's weird. Um, so yeah, there is a lot coming for greener postures and preserving today. There's a lot on the way. And thank you for everyone who's supported me through these last, you know, two years uh, since I got started online and who's sat through any of my technical issues um, and worked through the weird way that I send documents out when you purchase my workshops. Hopefully, that is going to be much more user-friendly very, very soon. But before I get into any more of that, we'll talk about what I've been up to for August. And I almost feel like I've lived a thousand lives. There has been a lot of the normal stuff that you would do in August in summertime, you know, watering the garden and hanging out with the kids outside, lots of lots of outside time. Um, but there's also been tons of like more status quo family stuff. So we went on vacation and we went to the fair and we went to um, the water slide. So like, like that 
all of the summer traditional, you know, modern people's summer fun, uh, all packed into a month of a lot of money being spent, a lot of time waiting in lines and also really fun stuff. Um, but August really started out with me doing what I love and that's fermenting because I've had so many cucumbers, it's been hard to keep up. So I might've talked about that in the last episode. I can't remember, but I think I started getting cucumbers in, uh, in July, but beginning of August, right away, straight out of the gate, fermented cucumbers. I have probably five gallons, six gallons of fermented, uh, dill pickles. So that is a really, really good this year. I stuck to more of what I know we like and what lasts for longer. Uh, if you get the cucumbers when they're really small, they are better pickles than when they get larger and they get squishy. Um, and then they last better that way too. They're a little firmer, so they don't get soft in the brine as quickly. And then when I do get pickles, cucumbers uh, that are too big, because if you've ever grown cucumbers, you know, it can pretty quickly sneak up on you how much uh, cucumbers grow, like really fast. So like one day you're like, oh, that one's a little too small. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. And then tomorrow morning you go and it's like five pounds. <laughs> okay. It's an exaggeration. It's like squash size. No, but it's, uh, it's, it's huge. And so what I've like found from last year is that rather than having really big pickles or having pickle slices, like you like hamburger slices, um, I like pickles. We like pickle spears better. So I cut those big giant ones into four or six pieces and put them in a jar. Uh, I've messed around with like doing garlic, cucumber, and um, jalapeno, and those are really good. So just a little bit more playing with the spices and stuff that are in there, which is excellent. Mm -hmm. So during the beginning of the month, I was also continuously harvesting and drying calendula flowers, which this is my first year growing or working with that plant, and I really, really like it. I made this beautiful salve. Uh, from tallow and shea butter and what else did I do? A sweet almond oil, which I hadn't worked with before. Um, and I infused the tallow for several days in a very, very low heat with marshmallow root and calendula and plantain leaf. And then I blended that. No, I didn't do a whipped salve. I just did a straight up, up salve. So I added some beeswax, put it in some tins. My idea was that to be like a diaper rash cream or an eczema balm, but it's like kind of my everything. If I have a scratch from a, the raspberry bushes outside, I get all puffy, like I'm allergic to something. And I've been putting that on, uh, washing it and putting that on there. And that's helped. been using it on my lips for instead of chapstick. And it's really good. It's just like, it's the best salve or cream I've ever made. And I had never used tallow in a salve before. And it was kind of hard to find information on how to do that because you're working with a solid fat and trying to infuse herbs into it which typically when I've done like dandelion salve before, you just put olive oil over it and you let it sit for a long time. This time I needed to keep it warm enough that it was liquid while it infused. And um, it was more, I don't know, hands-on, but that put me putting more energy into this and I think it paid off. Um, lots of poppy seeds, which is exciting because I'm going to be able to use my own bread seed this year and then also have seed for, for more beautiful flowers next year. Uh, we went to my, my parents' new property, which I think they're going to be moving to. It's a house my dad's been working on 
And we picked apples. They have like this big apple orchard at this property they moved into. And my dad doesn't know much about things. Uh, He just does stuff and doesn't really research anything, which I like about him. So I go over there and he's ready to pick apples. They were a little underripe, but the kids were excited to do it. So they were picking apples. But true fashion of my father, um, he had like a man hoist that he was using to re-roof and put siding on a house. And so they were picking apples with his man hoist. And it's not one of those like little scissor lift ones that you see in grocery stores or in Costco. This was like a giant man hoist with a boom arm that went out and up. So they were like driving this thing around this tiny yard and it, it's like the compressor or whatever turns on to turn the engine on. It's like super loud and it's kind of a neighborhood, you know, it's not really close together, but it was just like, Oh, welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> here's, here's my dad and all his glory picking apples. But you know how much fun that is and a memory that my kids are going to have forever that their weird grandpa had them picking apples on a giant man hoist. It was pretty fun. So with those, I didn't do much with them. I ended up feeding a bunch of the chickens because they were just too, I don't know, like, you know, when you eat fruit, that's like not ripe enough and it like dries your mouth out. It it was on that stage. So waited on those, but we've been getting plenty of um, pears and I, oh, I did can some of the, I I did make apples and can some of it. it, um, Just four pints of that. Uh, but yeah, then we went out to a friend's house that's like right on the Canadian border and they have a huge orchard. I don't know if you call it an orchard, a big patch of blueberry bushes, big. Like I felt like they could have had a, like a sign for you pick berries up and they would have done pretty good. And they were loaded with berries. I don't know what's going on with mine. They're dry. I think I just don't water them. And those people, I don't think they're watering either, but I think they watered initially when they first planted their plants. And then now they're just in a place that has enough groundwater that they're fine. I think I did neglected to water them enough the first year. And so if I would have remembered to do it this year, it would have benefited them, but I didn't. So I didn't get any of our own blueberries, uh, but we got a lot. We got, I think it was a three gallon bucket full of blueberries and we ate a lot of them straight away. But, and then I froze a bunch on a sheet pan and then um, put them into a Ziploc bag and they've got them in the freezer. So we got, I think two gallons of the freezer. We ate about a gallon. They were really good. I didn't make anything with them. I don't know why I didn't think to do that. I should have made some like muffins or something. Well, it's because it's too hot. It was still too hot. It's not anymore though. So freezing blueberries. Yeah. The beginning of the month there. And then we went to the fair. We went to the county fair and my mom came with us. So grandma was there. Um, This was my two-year-old's first fair. I'm going to have to call him a soon to be three-year-old because that'll be changing in November. So yeah, it was his first time at anything like that. And um, it was fun. He had food that I've never let him have before. So he's now, I can't say I've never given him sugar. He had a bite of uh, an ice cream sandwich and he had a bite of a funnel cake and it was wild. It was, (laughs) it was, it was a wild adventure. There was like a lot of rides happening. And that was the carnival side of things was my nine-year-old's most important and like only thing he wanted to do besides also get food, uh, sugar food sometimes. Um, but Chud and I, and, uh, the two-year-old and my mom walked around in the animal section. We looked at cows and, and pigs and different kinds of chickens and climbed all over the tractors and, uh, watched people leading horses around. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a good, good time. 
I talk about a lot about that in my other podcast with Chud. And after the fair time, um, we started back in the garden is what I was focusing on. And it was time to, um, work with that garlic again. I'm not sure when I harvested it, but I had been drying for at least a couple of weeks. So I worked on cleaning that garlic. I cut the root end off and the stalk off and pulled any paper off that looked like it was dirty and got them all nice. Um, I had three sets, three bags that I wanted. I had one that I was going to save for seed, one that I wanted to use sooner than later, and one that would store a long time. The ones that I chose for seed were the largest bulbs because I read that that's what to do and I haven't done it before. So I'm going with that this year. The second bag that I felt I should use right away had little tiny holes in them, like from insects. And I peeled some of those and there was just a tiny brown spot in the clove. Like it's not bad, but I'm worried that that would continue to rot in storage and isn't going to last as long. So the third bag was the pristine bulbs of, you know, medium size, even some really large ones, because I had enough of the seed garlic. Um, these look beautiful, and I think they'll last a long time. I got these really nice mesh cotton bags, and I have a, like, a dresser. It's got, like, dresser drawers in the bottom, and the top is, like, a closet that you could hang clothes on, and it was for my kid when he was little. So it's, like, you could hang clothes there, but it's probably only as big enough as it to hang an adult-sized t-shirt, but you could, you know, have full outfits for little kids hanging there. Um, we're not a like really a hanging up kids clothes kind of a family. So I just um, have that in the basement right now. It's empty. And so for that upper part, I just tied those bags to the like rod that's there for hanging the clothes on. And I have those mesh bags hanging and I have them closed in there. So it does have some airflow. That's not like airtight, but it'll help it keep any rodents away. Should we get any in our basement, which has not been a problem for a while, which is very nice. Having a cat down here definitely helps and being more present down here helps as well. This is where we record podcasts and where we store stuff. And I'm down here every day, getting things from the pantry to cook with and work with. Um, I think that's going to be a good way to store the garlic, but I've never tried to store my garlic over winter before, so we'll see how far it gets. Now, for the bulbs that had the blemishes, I decided to make tomb or tome. Uh, if you don't know that yet, check out Preserving Today's YouTube channel. It is one of my videos in there and it's a garlic paste that's just made with oil, salt, lemon juice, and garlic. And it's a great way to preserve garlic. You do need to put it in the fridge afterwards, but better than preserving, it's this way of having fresh garlic in food without having to chop or peel garlic. And so I like keeping it on hand. And I know I've talked about it before on this podcast, so I'm going to repeat myself. You know, I can't remember all the stuff I've ever mentioned, especially if you're listening to these episodes consecutively like after they've come out, it's like, it might seem like I'm repeating myself, but I promise I just don't remember. <laughs> so Tome is really, really good. And it lasts a long time in the fridge. And it's like, you can add a spoonful of that if you're making a dressing or if you're going to anything you'd normally use oil and garlic, right? It does have a little, you can barely taste the lemon in it. And the lemon just helps preserve things. The salt is pretty minimal too. It doesn't add too much salt to a dish. You just don't want to fry it. You don't want to put it like on a frying pan like you would butter because the garlic's going to burn. But any you can like, uh, like when I'm doing, I did a pasta sauce and I was too lazy to chop garlic and I just put a spoonful of it in the sauce after the sauce was already going and it was really good. So um, 
I'm pretty confident that we're going to be able to store the garlic for quite some time until it's gone. You know, the idea is not to waste any. And then hopefully that seed garlic will go in the ground before winter, you know, sometime in October so that I can grow more of that same variety next year. And then I also did get two other varieties. I think St. Helens is one, or maybe even Mount St. Helens is one variety. It's specific to the Northwest, which I like. And then there was another one I got that I'm spacing the name on, but it's really pretty and purple and it's smaller uh, bulbs than the one that I have. So I'm excited for both of those. Um, so then we left and went on a little trip to Oregon in the middle of the month. We went to Seaside, Oregon and stayed there on the beach and went to the arcade and had ice cream and ate fish and chips that were subpar from two restaurants. <laughs> and we went on a day trip from there to, you know, Cannon Beach for just a second. We went to Tillamook to go to the Tillamook Cheese Factory and tour the Cheese Factory. And I must say, I've been there once before. I think it was during our time where we were on the Oregon coast for our honeymoon. So it would have been like 2011. So a long time ago, you know, 12 years ago. And I'm looking at that cheese factory so differently than I did then because I'm like, I've made cheese. I know what goes into it. What are these people saying about these things? So it was really uh, interesting to see how they did it and to watch them on the side where they had these big blocks of cheese that looked like finished cheese from afar. Cause you're like standing in this like observation deck where you're looking down through windows at the people working and they had these huge blocks of cheese and they were vacuum sealing them into, you know, plastic. And I was like, Oh, that is for aging. That's not, that's not a finished cheese. That was the, you know, pressed block of cheddar that then they were vacuum sealing to go into probably some kind of a environmentally controlled like cheese cave to age. And I was like, that is crazy. Cause that's the method I'm using at home. It's not uh, ideal. If you're like a real, I don't know, purist about cheese making, you don't want to have plastic touching your cheese for six months. And I don't want that either. But for now, when I'm aging cheese in my refrigerator, doing that with the plastic works for me. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, if Tillamook does it, then I shouldn't be doing it. No, I'm just kidding. It works is what I'm saying. And their cheese is actually pretty good. So we went through there and then we got to see another spot where they were cutting and packaging the cheese. And we tasted cheese, which was a disappointment. Last time we were there, they had this like buffet style area where you could, you know, take a toothpick and stick a, a little block of cheese. And you tried all these different kinds, you know, uh, sharp cheddar, white cheddar, aged for longer, whatever, um, where it gets crumbly or... There was the cheese curds, which are famous there. If you've ever been there, squeaky cheese, cheese curds that are, is, are fresh are like really squeaky when you bite into them. And they didn't have any of that stuff for sample. And it was clearly one of those moments like, yeah, COVID, you know, COVID, we can't, we can't do that anymore. So they had these like just three flavors of the individually wrapped rectangles of cheese, like you can get at the grocery store in a bag uh, of these little singles that you would put in your lunch bag or something instead of a string cheese. And I'm like, that is a total cop out. You know what? It's been like, you've been reopened for tours for like what, two years now, you should totally have the good cheese uh, sampler back. But they had a big area where you could buy all the different stuff. And we looked around for a while. And we decided on getting a couple bags of three bags of cheese curds. Cause that is the, the best part of there is the really fresh curds. And we ate lunch there that day and had some stuff that was had too much cheese in it and some kind of fancy soda that I can't remember, stubborn, stubborn soda, I think it was called. 
I might be wrong, but it was really good. It was a draft soda with like cane sugar and very interesting flavors. Hibiscus, tarragon, like really weird flavors. That was fun because I don't usually drink soda, but I liked that. And it was really fizzy and bubbly and not too syrupy, which uh, was really good. So it was, it was it was cool to try stuff that I don't normally try. And then after we were finished in Seaside, we drove um, to north oregon closer to washington and saw adam and emily of uh rising tide homestead who was just on the podcast recently and you might might know adam from other podcasts as well i uh we stayed on their homestead for the afternoon and they fed us a really delicious dinner like it was so good after having uh, just like I packed sandwiches. I made my own mayonnaise the morning we left for our trip. And I made like sourdough bread sandwiches with like really good lunch meat from the co-op that didn't have anything except salt and meat in it, you know? But it was like, I couldn't, we couldn't do anything but end up at restaurants for like most of our meals. And I was just like, so like, I'm bored of this. It doesn't taste good. Like none of it's been spot on where I was excited. You know, sometimes you can get French fries where you're like, yeah, that's what French fries supposed to taste like. That was not our experience at all during any of this. So I was so thankful that Emily made like she had these made these Mexican meatballs and um, this really good red like tomato sauce like from actual tomatoes and like cooked the rice in it. Oh my gosh, it was really good. And then seeing their all of the growth that they've had on their homestead since we saw them at this time last year uh, was really amazing to see how hard Adam's been working, um, on their house and the property, clearing more space, many more animals addition of two awesome dogs and uh, piggies that will let you give them scratches and all these sheep. It was so great. And it was a great seeing Charlie checking out all of that and their new garden and a new method that they're using that I haven't seen anyone else use before um, with the hay bales, you know, that they were talking about the struggles that they had had this year with it. And I think that's such valuable information to have and to share and I, I was just so thankful to get to see them. We were supposed to stay the night there, but by then it was like too much family. Like the kids were just out of sorts, not in their space. There wasn't any time for us to rest. Sharing a hotel room, the four of us, you know, everybody kept each other up. The baby would cry at night and then it would cause the nine-year-old to start um, like yelling at him in his sleep, like, quiet, quiet, shh. <laughs> so we were all very tired, especially because of my two and a half year old. I call him the baby sometimes. It's the same kid, the baby or the toddler. He usually sleeps until noon and doesn't nap. He just goes to bed at like eight or nine and sleeps until noon and doesn't nap. And, and then in this environment, he was staying up till 1030 and waking up at 6am. And it was like no napping. And he was just tired and fussy and running on fumes in every direction. And we were all very tired. So rather than stay another night, um, in some place where we had to wrangle him, we decided to drive home that evening. We left their place at about seven 30 to get home by about midnight, one in the morning, somewhere around there. And the ride home wasn't very fun. <laughs> the nine-year-old didn't want to be in the car. It was like a whole thing, but it's okay. We made it home and I'm really, really glad we made the time to stop and see Adam and Emily, um, even for a short amount of time, because we love them dearly. They're good friends. Um, after we got back, it's, it's also felt kind of weird. Um, boy, 
we we got our first tiny blue egg from our younger flock. So that was very exciting. That was um when they were four months and eight days, four months and a week. I like paid attention this time. That is much earlier than I would normally get from a lavender. And I'm hoping that that means they're also going to have more eggs than a lavender because we bred them with our barnyard flock. So we're going to get the beauty of the blue eggs with the function of the barnyard flock. And I really like that idea, which is what my hope was when we let all this happen. And these guys are looking like chickens now and not the awkward middle chick size. And we're getting a lot of eggs from them. We're getting at least a few a day now, three a day. I don't think we've gotten four in a day yet. And there are 11 hens. So I'm sure not everybody's laying yet, but they're all still kind of small and cute and like too small to fit in. Like they look silly when you put them in an egg carton. So we're not selling any of those. We're just eating those. So I've been eating the baby eggs and they're very good. Super excited. Everybody's had blue eggs yet. There hasn't been any other colors from there. And I was kind of hoping that we might get a mix of things because we have some black copper Moran, lavender Americana, and then a whole bunch of barnyard mix all going into the gene pool here. And I thought maybe we would get more variety, but I'm kind of leaning towards thinking we might just be getting blue eggs, which is not, I'm not disappointed, but I like, um, I like a variety pack. It just makes it more exciting, uh, to have some contrast. Um, but if all we get is blue, that's just totally fine. I'm probably going to pick some kind of brown egg layers for getting pullets for, um, us in the spring, early spring. So Getting those eggs have been really nice, um, and we're working with our chickens to keep them laying in the correct spots. Between that, we've been in plenty of eggs. Um, coming back, I definitely had pickles to to make. The cucumbers were growing. That's when I was making some of those spears with some of those pickles that got a little out of hand over the time that we were gone. I also made um, sauerkraut and curtido and dill pickle sauerkraut, which I'll have a recipe for up online eventually because it's it's going to be good. Like I haven't tasted it yet, but I'm smelling it. I'm like, this is this is good. Why didn't I not think of this before kind of a thing? Um, all of that was started, I think I have a half gallon and a quart of sauerkraut that's not finished yet, still fermenting on the counter and everything else is in the fridge. I harvested all my beets washed those. And I, I was going to do something. I had bought, um, a big amount of beets, like 20 pounds or 30 pounds from Azure standard earlier. And I canned those pressure canned those. Cause I wanted those. And I didn't think I was going to have enough beets. Well, it turned out I had a pretty good amount of beets, but not really enough for a huge canner load. So I just, I was thinking about pickling them and I ended up just cooking them and cubing them and having them in the fridge to add to salads and stuff. And I gave a bunch to my mom that were cooked cause she loves them, but she won't cook them for herself. Um, I made a marigold garland with our marigolds. It's like these big fat flowers and I just string them on a string and hang them up. And my little two and a half year old loves it. Uh, my friend showed me how to do that. No, she didn't. She, she was at one of our agoras and she was just building those and hanging them and people were buying them from her. And, um, I thought it was such a good, good idea of a way to bring some of the flowers into the house, but not have a vase, a vase of flowers sitting on a countertop. Cause that's not when you have a toddler, a toddler, it's not really a great idea. So more raspberries started to ripen here towards the end of this month. Um, we had a break from them. I don't know if it's my variety or the way we grow them or if this is normal for raspberries, but we get some early in the year and then we get some again now. And so we're picking lots of juicy raspberries, um, freezing some, eating a lot, freeze dried some. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I started sourdough for the first time since about July 4th. This was um, the longest I'd ever left my starter in the fridge since I began and the longest I've gone without baking bread. And I have to say, I got the starter out about two days before, not even, I fed it twice over a 24 hour period. And then 12 hours after that second feeding, I started my dough and I didn't look at any notes or try to like have to look up my recipe or anything. I just from memory still made my same batch of two loaves with a thousand grams of wheat flour and I nailed it. And it made me feel so good that I could take that long of a break and still walk back into it like it's second nature because it is now. And so that's what I think it really pays off when you're learning a new skill to do it over and over again at first and try it a bunch of different ways and figure out your best way of doing it and the way that works for you so that it can become second nature and you can do it intuitively. So I made delicious bread that I honestly didn't really want to eat because it was still too hot and um, put my sourdough starter back in the fridge after feeding it. And now I know it's ready for me when the fall weather really arrives which we have had a taste of that. We've had a lot of rain over the last week with uh, breaks of some sunshine, a little bit of heat on one of the days. I'm concerned though, that with the added rain and the lack of the heat, that I am not going to have my tons and tons and tons of tomatoes ripen fully. I know I can pull them and hopefully have them ripen on a counter. I also know I can use them green, but I really was hoping for like vine ripened tomatoes that I could be making sauce with. I picked a special variety from... Baker Creek seeds that were specifically paste tomatoes for that reason. So we'll have to see. I'm not sure if I'm going to get anything out of it. And the biggest thing I've worked on is I'm making a seasoning powder that includes freeze-dried organ meats. So if you think you would like to try something like that, I have a very limited amount of samples that I would send someone to taste this and give me their feedback. This is something brand new that I'm working on. And the idea is to be able to add small amounts of organ meat to your meals so you can get that nutrition without having it taste overwhelmingly like organ meat and having it be just something that would be easier to incorporate into our meals. So far, I've added it to my taco meat. I've added it to a soup. I've added it to my broth. I put it on scrambled eggs. I've sprinkled it on top of a piece of toast that had butter on it and all of it was good. So I think it's a success for me and my family, but I just wonder how this would appeal to other people and palates in their situations. So again, a very limited supply, but if you're interested in trying a seasoning mix that includes freeze-dried grass-fed beef liver that I handled myself, uh, please let me know. I've also been working on making like hot chocolate mix and apple cider mix from real food because those are two things that my nine-year-old is super nostalgic for when the weather changes. And he wants to have like the big like tub of Swiss Miss or the packets from like Costco or whatever so that he can pour boiling water on it and have a cup of hot chocolate. But with the little disgusting, tiny, hard marshmallows, I, I don't want to have that in the house. But I also don't want to deprive him of something that's like a fun tradition. So I'm like, how can I make this more nourishing? Obviously, we have raw milk. So I'm like, how can I? So making a milk powder, like real raw grass-fed milk, and then using really good cacao or like good chocolate, right? Cocoa powder, some powdered sugar, sure. And then putting that together with a little bit of salt, I think that I've got 
that's hot chocolate powder, right? You put some, a few tablespoons and then add a cup of boiling water and you should have it. Uh, if you have milk on hand, you can steam the milk and use that, which of course would be better and add more nutrition. But the goal is just to be able to have stuff on hand that I, I won't mind him eating more somewhat regularly, but it's like still a treat. So the apples were freeze-dried apple slices that I pureed into a powder and added cinnamon and some like, you know, pie spices, nutmeg and all space spice and uh, a little tiny bit of clove. Warm spices, pureed apples into a powder, freeze-dried apples, and then a little bit of sugar. And that actually made the best apple cider I've ever had. That might even be better than like when I've made apple cider really well by like mulling spices and simmering on the stove for a long time in actual apple juice or whatever. So I'm hopeful that this will make me excited to share those um, treats with him this winter and maybe even allow my two-year-old to give those things a try and get started on the right foot having those real food options there instead of having to even get to know what a Swiss, Swiss miss is in a jar. So I think that this is a already a good, better start this year. And we have been picking our apples and those are the apples I've been working with for the cider. And we got a cider press this year and Chud has now assembled it for me and we have a fruit crusher. So that's what we're going to experiment with this week to try to get some apple cider. I want to make apple cider vinegar. I've only made apple scrap vinegar before because I've never had a large amount of apple juice to work with. And that's the difference. Scrap vinegar comes from the scraps, the core and the peel soaked in water with sugar. And the apple cider vinegar comes from cider that's been pressed, like the juice. So that's why there's such a, it's a stronger flavor and it's a darker color. And yeah, I'm excited to try that because I love apple cider vinegar. You know, we were using Bragg's and I'm not anymore. I'm using Azure Standard brand. It's cheaper and it's just as good. And it's not owned by Katy Perry. <laughs> I don't know why that's weird. Like that's weird. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to try that as well. And, you know, we're picking blackberries here and there and eating them, but I haven't made anything with those this year. We're eating our pears. Um, I haven't made anything with them. I still have a lot of cans of pears stuff from last year. So I'm just, I'm a little, um, last year was a huge canning year for us. This year is less so. And maybe it's some that I'm just forgetting because it's more second nature now that I've done it so much. Uh, but I do plan to do canned tuna again, but we won't get our tuna until October. And I did order our half of uh, cow for the year. So I'll be getting a half beef to fill the freezer in like end of October as well. So we'll be stocking up a little bit on some of the meats at that time. We um, we processed our roosters, but I think that was in July. So I've been still cooking those and, and doing broth. And I will be canning some more bone broth because it's just so handy to have on the shelf for recipes. Um, yeah, but... Things are going good here, guys. And what I didn't talk about, and I don't want to go too much into it, is a huge project that I'm working on. I'm, I'm working on a huge project online. I am trying to make a new website that will have resources for people to go to for free to find out more about what I'm talking about here. Um, my recipes, the way I do things, and with my tips. So if you like the way I talk, if you've been following me for a while, if you're into this stuff, keep your eye out especially on the Greener Postures Instagram page, because that's where I'm going to make my big announcements when I'm ready to switch over to this new website. 
And I'll make sure that anybody who knows me from Greener Postures gets a special gift for moving with me to this new website and joining my mailing list so that we can keep in touch and I can tell you about all this stuff that I have to offer. I'm really excited about it, merging my brands or whatever. You know, Greener Postures Homestead is where we're at here. Greener Postures Agora, right? Preserving Today, YouTube channel, Preserving Today, Recipes in the Kitchen. All of this stuff's going to kind of try to come together. And I'm learning a ton. I'm I'm, I'm learning to build this website. I'm learning how to put it together better so that it's going to be way more user-friendly. People are going to be able to buy or get free eBooks and um, like packets and tutorials and printables and all of the stuff I see other people offering that I just never knew how to do that I want to be putting out there for you. So thank you so much for listening to me and for following me through this journey over the last couple of years. And I hope to have much more to offer here shortly. Um, if you have questions or you want to reach out or you want to make sure you are on the email list, you can send me an email at greenerpostures at pm.me or a DM at greenerpostures on Instagram. So thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening. I'm Lanny and this was the Greener Postures Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Greener Postures and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Preserving Today, by going to youtube.com slash at Greener Postures. Questions, feedback, or would you like to be a guest on the show? Send me a DM or you can email me at greenerpostures at pm.me. I'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in attending one of my online workshops and joining the exclusive Greener Postures Telegram group chat, go to my website, greenerpostures.com slash workshops. I hope to see you there. See you.